Welcome to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick Podcast. I'm Nina Spears, the Baby Chick, your host, and we're thrilled to have Dr. Camille Wright joining us today on our show. An OB-GYN by trade, Dr. Wright is currently the Vice President and Market Chief Medical Officer at CareSource, where she leads clinical initiatives to ensure vulnerable populations receive accessible, affordable, high-quality, and high-value healthcare. She's a passionate advocate for the care of women and children and for health equity. Today, Dr. Wright is here to discuss breastfeeding, the benefits for both mom and baby, and other information mothers need to know. The American Academy of Pediatrics recently updated their guidelines around breastfeeding, now supporting continued breastfeeding of a child until two years old or older. As the U.S. continues to face a shortage in infant formula, and with these updated guidelines, it is of the utmost importance now for mothers to be informed on breastfeeding. So let's welcome Dr. Wright to learn more. Hi, Dr. Wright. We're so happy to have you on our podcast, Chick Chat. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm excited for the discussion today. Yes, as are we. And breastfeeding is something that is near and dear to my heart as being a mother of two and a postpartum doula, having helped women during this stage. It is something that's very important to me, but I'm also very passionate about just helping all moms in general and their feeding journeys. But we'd love to learn more about breastfeeding from you. And before we begin, Dr. Wright, we'd also love to learn a little bit more about you and your experience. Absolutely. So I am an OBGYN by training. I had the great pleasure of practicing for many years here in Indiana and really serving moms through that pre-pregnancy, pregnancy, and postpartum period. And breastfeeding and breastfeeding support is an important part of that postpartum period. So I come from that lens and that experience. Over the last five years, I've served as the chief medical officer for CareSource, which is one of the managed care insurance companies here in Indiana. And in my role, I help to oversee clinical priorities and initiatives. And one thing we recognize is that infant and maternal mortality rates are higher than what we'd like to see here in Indiana. And I think an important thing that we really can help to emphasize is the role of breastfeeding in that postpartum period to really help babies be as healthy as possible and bring down some of the mortality rates. So, those are the different perspectives that I bring to this conversation. And again, excited to have the opportunity to delve into this with you today. Oh, as are we. And I think many of our listeners, if you've been staying on top of the latest news, we know that the American Academy of Pediatrics, they recently updated their breastfeeding guidelines. And this is a big deal. They haven't done this in quite a while. Dr. Wright, could you elaborate on these new guidelines and what they mean? Absolutely. So the American Academy of Pediatrics has always been at the forefront of discussing the important role of breastfeeding in helping to support and foster healthy children and then obviously into adulthood. And they recently released a policy statement on breastfeeding that really highlights various things. 
in a nutshell, it talks about the importance of breastfeeding for both mom and baby and the duration of breastfeeding and the importance there and some health disparities that we see in the space of breastfeeding. So when we talk about the importance of breastfeeding, this policy statement goes into obviously the benefits to the baby, but also the benefits that are oftentimes overlooked for the mom as well. So the policy statement talks about obviously how nursing is critically important to providing babies with those important nutritional building blocks so that they can develop healthy organs and a healthy immune system. And that really helps to decrease the chance of some of the conditions that we see in childhood, including ear infections, including some bowel infections, asthma, other things of that nature. It also goes into talking about the importance for moms and how we know that moms who breastfeed actually have a decreased risk of breast cancer, ovarian cancer, even things like type 2 diabetes and hypertension. And that's something that I don't think is well understood. And this policy statement really helps to highlight that. I think one of the other things that's critically important that it talks about that's been different from its previous guidance is the duration of breastfeeding. So it has been well understood that exclusive breastfeeding should be done, if at all feasible, for about six months. And so there's never been shown to be any benefit to introducing new foods into the diet for infants who are being nursed prior to six months. I think the policy statement goes on to make a really important point about how it is recommended that nursing be continued as long as two years or even beyond if that's feasible for both mom and baby. And that is to fully realize those benefits that I alluded to earlier. That is so helpful. Thank you for breaking that down for all of us. And I do want to ask you and talk a little bit about before I go into other questions. For moms who are feeling like they are unable to breastfeed or having challenges or other medical conditions and are listening to this podcast and feeling like, I tried and I'm not able to or having other issues, is there anything that you want to say to them or anything that they need to know when listening to this episode? Absolutely. So the first thing I want to say is it's okay. So I think I think that women oftentimes will carry a lot of guilt and frustration when they are unable to nurse. And nursing is physically demanding. It also can be quite an impact on your lifestyle and on your time. So I really want to give women the space to know that it's okay if you're having trouble and if you find that nursing is not right for you. 
I do want to emphasize, though, that there is support out there. So if at all possible, I don't want moms to give up without turning to all the resources that are in the community. I think the first resource you want to turn to is your healthcare provider. So OBGYNs like myself can oftentimes provide support and encouragement and advice when it comes to lactation. Oftentimes, your pediatrician can oftentimes help to resolve issues and provide support. There are certainly certified lactation consultants and doulas like yourself and community-based organizations like WIC that can provide support and guidance as well. So I want moms to know that there are lots of professionals who are here, who have the knowledge, who have the experience, and who have the education to really help to resolve some of those common problems. Thank you for that message, because I don't want people who are listening to this episode feeling left out or feeling like they aren't doing as good of a job (laughs) because they have chosen to do a different form of feeding their baby to feel like we're shaming them or anything like that, because in no way, shape or form do we want that message to get out there. So we appreciate your message regarding that as well. I think shame is really important to tease out. Although we are talking about the benefits of breastfeeding, I do want to acknowledge the fact that it's not right for everyone. And there are many physical reasons. There are many social reasons. There are many factors that a family has to consider when adopting and committing to nursing. And it is just not right for everyone. And I think that that's important for us to say. Absolutely. I totally agree. And appreciate how you just said that there are other considerations that can come up. And that leads me to my next question. Dr. Wright, can you share with us a little bit of the history of breastfeeding, you know, the popularity, the trauma, et cetera? Mm-hmm. So I think breastfeeding has had a complicated past. I'll put it that way. So for many people and many families and many cultures, breastfeeding is completely normal. It's well accepted and it is something that is expected. And I think that that can be very, very common amongst white families, amongst Hispanic families, amongst Asian families, etc. I think for other cultures, and I'm going to specifically highlight the Black culture right now, I think breastfeeding can be fraught with historical implications and trauma. What we know is that during the time of slavery, black slaves were oftentimes required to nurse the children of their white slave masters. And this was obviously very painful because it was part of slave culture and part of the requirements that they were forced to carry out. In addition, they oftentimes could not nurse their own children because Either their breast supply was going to the children of the families that they were serving, or their children had been taken away from them, and they didn't have that opportunity to nurse their own children. 
And so obviously there is a lot of pain associated with that. And some of that pain is still felt today. And so you may talk to women who, when you talk about nursing and you talk about breastfeeding, those historical images of Mamie and that black slave nursing her white family's child can be very pain invoking. In addition, there have been images that have contributed to the hypersexuality of certain races, and that includes Black women, that includes Hispanic women, etc. And so sometimes when you talk about breastfeeding, particularly breastfeeding in public, it invokes that hypersexuality. And sometimes women will feel that they don't want to draw additional attention to their breast and fit those stereotypes that may exist. So I think that it is important to understand that when we're looking at disparities in breastfeeding, we have to recognize these historical implications, stereotypes, and ingrained ways of thinking that may be a factor in a woman's choice to nurse. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. You just sharing that information, it literally puts like knots in my stomach. I cannot even imagine, but it makes complete sense for any woman who is feeling those feelings whenever it comes their time to choose whether they want to breastfeed their babies and the history behind that. So completely heartbreaking. I think there are some other factors that I would highlight as well around breastfeeding that leads to disparities. One is socioeconomic differences. We know that some women just cannot nurse because they're forced to go back to work very quickly. They may be working in jobs that don't allow them time to nurse or don't allow them a safe hygienic place to nurse or to pump. And so we need to understand that that oftentimes is a factor in terms of deciding to nurse. And I think those factors can be more prevalent in minority populations than in other populations. I think also structural racism needs to be discussed. There are studies that show that Black women are less likely to be encouraged to nurse when they're in the hospital, less likely to be provided lactation consultation, and more likely to be offered formula for their babies. Why do you think that is? I think that it is stereotypes, again, about Black women not nursing. And so why bother giving her this education when she's not going to do it? And so I think that sometimes we healthcare providers are certainly guilty of having implicit bias. And I think that bias oftentimes creeps in to the options and the education that we provide to families and to patients. And so I think the way to address that is to provide education to healthcare providers about implicit bias so that they can recognize their own biases, check those biases at the door, and provide equitable education and options to all of their patients in a culturally appropriate manner. 
I'm so glad you're talking about this because it's shedding light to something that's definitely not talked about. And I can understand what you're saying, like the biases that healthcare providers, nurses around them may have and not even recognizing it maybe, but talking about it so that women who are listening to this can maybe speak up for themselves and be their own advocates and say, hey, I would like more information about this. I would like some more assistance regarding breastfeeding. How can I get more help? I'm so glad that you're bringing all of this up. And I think that that point is critically important because that speaks to health literacy. So that's another disparity that we see where some races, some cultures, some socioeconomic populations have a a better understanding of health in general and breastfeeding being part of that health. And so what we really need to make sure of is that we are providing education to all communities about the benefits of breastfeeding so that we can try to level that health literacy and women can advocate for themselves. So if women understand the benefits of breastfeeding for both themselves and for their babies, then they're better equipped to be that advocate and to say, no, please don't give my baby formula. Please help me to nurse and I need additional support. I need a pump. Whatever that resource is, she knows to ask for it. I love that. Yes, I totally agree. So thank you. Yes. Thank you for pointing all of this out. And I love that we're talking about not necessarily love, but it's important for us to talk about these disparities. Are are there other root causes of these disparities in breastfeeding? I think we really touched on a lot of them. It has to do with understanding the importance of breastfeeding, having proper support both in the home and outside the home, particularly at work. It has to do with, again, the economic challenges of needing to go back to work sooner than what we like and not having those proper resources. It has to do with that historical trauma, lack of representation, lack of healthcare providers who look like them, who have a shared history, who may be able to form education and ideas in a way that resonates with a given patient, I think is really important. I think we need more representation just in social media, on TV, in print, in movies, etc., of people of color, people of different cultures, people of different sexual orientations and gender identities, etc., breastfeeding or chest feeding, so that we can normalize this. And I think society in general needs to educate itself and to become more aware of the importance of breastfeeding and to help to remove the stigma around breastfeeding, particularly in public. Yeah. And I think all of those things lead to disparities. And if we can collectively work towards mitigating each of those factors, I think that we can improve breastfeeding rates and decrease illnesses in children. Yes, I absolutely agree. And is that why you think breastfeeding rates are low? And what are the rates right now? How low, how, I hate to say bad, but how bad is it? (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
So I think that it really depends on the population that you're looking at. So yes, breastfeeding rates are much lower than what we want them to be. If you look at the proportion of babies who have ever been breastfed, it's about 83%, which is great. But that drops off very, very quickly. So if you look at the proportion of infants who are breastfed at six months, which again is that goal, only about 50% of babies are breastfed continuously to six months. If we look at one year, the number is more like 35%. So we've dropped precipitously. If we look at two years, we're looking at about 19%. So the rates are considerably lower than what our goal is. And that's all comers. So if you look at the black breastfeeding rate, initiation of breastfeeding is closer to 70%. So already 15% lower than the general public. And then at each one of those intervals that I talked about, those rates are significantly lower than expected. I will say on a positive note, if we look at the Asian population, they have breastfeeding rates as high as 90%. So it really depends on the population that you're looking at. But looking at everyone, we still have a lot of work to do. That's fascinating. Thank you so much for sharing those statistics with us because obviously we can do more and do better. And I'm curious to know what your thoughts are, Dr. Wright. Like, what can we as mothers do to make it better? Mm -hmm. So, I think as mothers in just the general community, just help to spread the word about the benefits of breastfeeding and the importance of breastfeeding. So, again, we can normalize it and we can remove the stigma. So, I think as individuals, we have a lot of influence amongst our family and friends and coworkers. And so, talk about breastfeeding, make it normal. Talk about it with your children. Talk about it with your spouse. Talk about it on social media if you're so inclined. Again, we need to remove the stigma and the taboo around breastfeeding. I think if you have the economic means, I would say support community-based organizations that are in the breastfeeding space. So WIC is one of those organizations. The Milk Bank is one of those organizations that provides breast milk from donor avenues. So I think that there are several ways that you can donate if that is economically feasible for you. I think for moms who are also in the healthcare space like yourself, talk to your colleagues, address implicit bias, make sure that you are advocating for policies and procedures in your workplace that support education of postpartum women and safe and hygienic spaces for nursing moms to pump. Yes. When you're sharing all of this, Dr. Wright, it's literally, I feel like I'm pointing to myself because when I had my son, we started our business and it was a little less demanding. It was still demanding, but I I felt I was able to breastfeed him for a lot longer and I felt confident in that. And then I felt good about when we were ending it. We stopped before a year because I was still a working mom and felt like I couldn't keep up with him and work. But then with my second one, 
work got even busier and we, she had a latch issue and also it can be expensive to have a lactation consultant and, and having so many visits that sometimes out of people's budgets and you find yourself, okay, I'm going to exclusively pump and then pumping isn't as efficient at increasing your milk supply as breastfeeding is. And then it can be this whole downward spiral for moms. And then they feel like they're failing if they're not able to breastfeed their babies. So, and I agree talking about the benefits of breastfeeding and how great it is and how we need to encourage this with mothers. But also some women are feeling like, oh, well, I don't want to feel like I'm pushing them too much because I don't want them to think that they're a bad mom if they choose an, another way. So it's finding that line, <laughs> you know, uh, that's at least what I sometimes can feel like and experience. So, but having these conversations with people like you is good to realize, like you can still be supportive and talk and share your experiences and, and share how wonderful it is, but also say like, Hey, but you're a good mom. Like <laughs> as long as you're choosing to feed your baby, but let's also talk, like, let's get you the help and support and education to breastfeed as, as long as you can. If that's something that you feel is right for you and your baby, is that right? <laughs> I think that that's absolutely right. It can be incredibly overwhelming and daunting for women. And I think that if you are speaking to a friend or a family member, just ask them if they want support. So, you know, rather than launch into a a list of things that they need to be doing, say, you know, I understand that you are experiencing some challenges with nursing. Can I offer you a few suggestions? Or can I show you something that worked for me? Or here's a resource you might consider. And let them give you permission. And if they say, oh my gosh, I need help, then you know that you have license to provide as much information as possible to this person. But if they say, you know, I have a lot of resources, I think I'm good for now, then perhaps that's somebody that you don't want to push because you may be feeding into that shame and that frustration. So you can leave it at, well, I'm here for you. If you ever like to talk about this, I have some things that I will share with you if you ever feel like that's something that you're interested in. So I think really letting the mom dictate the conversation and how much or how little information you share can oftentimes help to reduce that pressure and that shame. Yes. And for people who are wanting to share the benefits, can you remind us, Dr. Wright, what the benefits are of breastfeeding for the baby and for the mother? Absolutely. So for the baby, obviously it provides really vital nutrition. So those building blocks that are necessary for the baby to grow and to develop. And even though formula is a wonderful option right now, it still is not as perfectly designed for your baby as breast milk is. I think one of the cool things that people may not know, and I didn't know until I was a doctor, is that the composition of your breast milk milk changes based on your baby. And so your breast milk will change over time based on the nutritional needs of the baby, and it is uniquely tailored to meet those needs. And so I think that that's critically important. 
In addition, antibodies from the mom are transmitted through the breast milk to the baby. So when the mom gets immunizations for like the flu or COVID or many other things, just her natural immunity, a lot of those antibodies are transmitted to the baby. So it really helps to stand up the baby's immune system and make the baby less susceptible to infection in those early days. It's also been shown that people who, uh, babies who are not breastfed have almost twice the likelihood of ear infections, which is something that is very bothersome, obviously, and we want to avoid. Three times the likelihood of something called necrotizing enocolitis, which is a very serious bowel condition that babies can get, and twice the likelihood of childhood death. And that's what we really want to avoid. We know that infant mortality is driven by several factors, and we know that not being breastfed can be one of those factors. For the mom, we are steadily learning about the benefits, and, and I think that this is really, really exciting. So we know at the most basic level, it helps moms lose the baby fat, <laughs> and so that is really enticing. But we also know that if a mother is able to breastfeed for longer than 12 months, there is demonstrated decrease in type 2 diabetes, in high blood pressure, in breast cancer, and in ovarian cancer. And I think that that is tremendously important. And that is really one of the driving factors behind the new American Academy of Pediatric recommendation for breastfeeding up to two years and beyond, because those long-term benefits, I think, can be critically important to the mom. Oh, 100%. I was going to say, I actually, I think I gained weight when I was breastfeeding <laughs> because I was so hungry. I was just ravenous. I wanted all of the food when I was breastfeeding my kids. And I didn't lose the weight until I stopped breastfeeding. So I actually felt like I had the opposite effect, but I knew it was so important for me and baby because of all of those, those benefits. Even if I did lose the weight, I feel like that's just, I mean, sure, that's a, a little perk, but oh my goodness, all of the health benefits are just amazing that you just listed. There are. And there's some benefits for older children who've been breastfed as well. We see decreased asthma in kids from 5 to 18. We see decreased eczema. We see decreased childhood obesity. So I think that it's not just the immediate benefits for the child, but we see some longer-term benefits into childhood and even beyond for infants that are nursed that I think are important to call out as well. Yes. Thank you so much for pointing all these out. This is wonderful information. And we want to get more moms to feel comfortable and feel like they have the resources to be successful at breastfeeding. And I know you listed some of the challenges that breastfeeding mothers are facing. Like, is there anything else that we can do to alleviate some of these challenges or any other challenges that you didn't mention that we need to shed some light on? Well, I think that there are some misunderstandings that I would highlight because I think that these misunderstandings can create barriers. So there are very few things that cause breastfeeding to be contraindicated. 
And so I, I want to highlight that. So in the presence of most infections, except for HIV and maybe just a few other ones, it is safe to nurse. So you always want to talk to your doctor, but just because you have an infection does not mean that you can't nurse. Also, if you've received a vaccination recently, it is oftentimes, most times, safe to nurse and, in fact, recommended because, of course, those antibodies, again, will transmit to the baby. So there's no reason to avoid vaccination for the flu, for COVID, for any of those things while you're nursing. If you have a herpetic lesion on your breast, so herpes on your breast, you don't want to nurse from that side, but you can nurse from the other side as well. So that's important to know. And I think that medications are oftentimes a reason that women think that they can't nurse as well. Most medications are safe in nursing. You, of course, want to run those by your doctor just to be sure, but it's important to understand that most medications are compatible with breastfeeding. So I just want to dispel the myth that there are many reasons why women can't breastfeed because that is not true. Even alcohol, moderate alcohol intake does not appear to hurt the baby. So consuming more than two drinks a day is discouraged. But if you want to have a glass of wine when you're out to dinner, you can do that and you still nurse. So the benefits of nursing far outweigh any of these other issues, and I want to make sure that that is emphasized. I think hospitals need to make sure that their policies and procedures are set up to increase breastfeeding initiation and duration. So there are several resources that hospitals can look at. There's something called the Baby Friendly Hospital Initiative that hospitals can look into that has an outline of things that hospitals can do to support moms. Those things include implementation of supportive practices, including breastfeeding in the first hour after birth exclusively breastfeeding and not formula feeding or bottle feeding the baby when the baby is away from the mom. Letting the the baby room in with the mom if it's important. Letting the baby breastfeed on demand. Avoiding pacifiers in those initial days. And then, of course, providing information and support to moms on lactation at discharge. So I think that as hospitals and healthcare practitioners, we really need to make sure that we are doing everything to be supportive. I think employers need to make sure that they are supporting their female employees so that they have time to nurse, that they have a place to nurse, and that they are not somehow disadvantaged in the workplace. And then society needs to be supportive, and I've gone over that. We need to really reduce the stigma and dispel the myths. 
Thank you so much for talking about all of these myths, because I think a lot of them still exist as being considered truths, um, but people who are in this industry know that they are myths. So getting that message out there and letting people know that, no, this is what is in fact true and what can we do to continue helping you with your journey in breastfeeding. So this has been super, super helpful. And I'm curious, Dr. Wright, what is just like the one thing you want our listeners to know about breastfeeding? Breastfeeding is the optimal nutrition for babies. And so it should be prioritized if at all possible. I think that's the take-home message. Women should definitely strongly consider it if it's important and feasible to them. I think that healthcare providers need to establish policies and procedures and training to support it. I think employers need to support it and society in general needs to support it because it is a public health priority. Thank you for that, Dr. Wright. And any final thoughts or advice that you would like to leave our listeners? No, I appreciate the opportunity to have this conversation. I think it is conversations like this that will really help us to turn the tide. And so I appreciate being able to sit down and and talk to you and happy to have any follow-up discussions that may be necessary or important. Absolutely, Dr. Wright. Thank you so much. And for our listeners out there, where can our listeners find you for more information? Absolutely. So the best way is caresource.com. There's many resources and information about my organization there. Fantastic. Well, this was so informative and helpful, Dr. Wright. Thank you again for your time. We're so appreciative. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Yes, you too. And for our listeners out there to learn more about Dr. Wright and CareSource, you can visit her on the web at caresource.com, as she had mentioned, or on Instagram at CareSource. Our team will be posting today's episode on our Baby Chick Facebook page. So if you have any questions or comments about our discussion, please share them with us in the comments section. And as always, if you haven't already, please subscribe to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us an honest review. Cheers to everyone on their feeding journey. 